0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer
1: the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. Uh, Matt Free America's couple, Jared, Mac on the show on this Wednesday edition of the show. Um, we're Diving into the transfer portal, um, the the waiver time to be eligible right away has come and passed, uh, meaning now players that enter into the program and to enter into the pro uh, portal will have to get a waiver to uh, be eligible right away. So we kind of have a, a good feeling of who's here, who who can make an impact. Uh, we have a good feeling of, from a majority standpoint, who has left. Um, I think all three of us kind of expect there may be a couple more that trickle out, you know, over the next four or five months. But, you know, it's, it, it's pretty much set in stone now. Um, 14 guys, Eric did a story on it on DuckTerritory.com. 14 guys have transferred out of the football program. Um, is it seven that have nine, uh, nine that's right. Nine that transferred in um, to the program. And there's still a couple guys out there that are in, that are listing oregon as a possible destination so that number could grow but before we dive into who's here and who left and, and whatnot just 14 out of the program coaching change surprise
2: the number feels big i mean you do the math out of 85 that's like what a th- fifth of your roster or something yeah. like that lost and i understand this is going to be the new normal like we see this in women's basketball now where like half the team left almost it felt like or a third of the team left and then men's basketball players still even now are opening up like devian harman like what was that a week or so ago after saying he was going to stay he left i mean the portal is just impacting college sports and in ways it never has been impact i mean it's it's it is free agency basically and so to lose 14 hurts i mean you think We'll run through the list here at some point i think half the guys are guys that you feel like maybe could have been contributors the other half are guys that probably weren't going to be at least immediately um the coaching change part certainly plays a role i mean i think it's it's understandable that of the 14 guys leaving four of them are offensive linemen a couple of which i think we well two of which have already followed Mara cristobal to miami um I think that part's notable in terms of like the only players that you lost to the coach that departed were the position group he worked with the most. Um, But, yeah, this is just kind of the way it works. And like a lot of these guys are guys we I think that fans are really disappointed to see leave or several of them. But some of them were not in positions to contribute right away. And so you get like the most recent one, Damon David. I know that really ruffled some feathers on the message board. And I understand why, because you like that, Jared, ruffle feathers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. Well, I was just going to say, like, it, people were frustrated by it, but you look at where he was on the depth chart, there's like four or five guys that are at a, probably ahead of him right now. And so it made sense for him to take a, a peek after getting through spring. Um, But these are young players that people are excited about. I like get another one, like uh, Jason Jones, when he left, people were bummed out by that and uh, rightfully so. A lot of upside. He might start at Auburn, it sounds like. But I think Oregon's going to be fine on the defensive line because there are a lot of guys returning and they and added guys in the portal to help kind of fill needs. So... There, there are certainly players that left that you would have liked to have stayed, you know, stuck around, obviously, probably most notably Travis Dye at running back, probably beer starter and DJ James at corner. Those guys would probably both be start. Those guys would start, but a lot of these guys are guys that are projects that I think you can kind of live without. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. You can live without most of these guys. Um, they showed flashes as a freshman or a sophomore, and I think everybody loves when a freshman does show flashes because that means that, hey, if they could figure out how to, you know, replicate that and turn that into a multiple-game stretch and not just three plays in a row, they could be really special. And, you know, you saw that from DJ James or Jason Jones or Robbie Ashford in the spring game. You know, these are all players who everybody, you know, had a crush on basically and really wanted to see them do well for this program. I Like half of these players are – East are from East of the Mississippi. True. So there's also another thing where kids might just want to go home and play close to home. And now through the transfer portal, which I love, I've, I don't, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I think the transfer portal is a good thing for college sports because it gives opportunities for people who can try to make opportunities. And that's exactly what these people are. These players are going to do by going back and playing in front of their, their family or closer to home or whatever the case may be. Um, there's not one person on this list from the state of Oregon. There's a couple California people, um, you know, back in back to college times for a lot of people, if they could have picked somewhere closer to home after going somewhere far away, that might have been a better option for them. And that might have been the case this time. Or they're looking for opportunities. Um, but I think the most important point is what Eric has mentioned, where most of these players didn't have a direct path to the field this upcoming year, other than DJ James and Travis Dye. So it's, why, why would they necessarily stick around? You know, they, they are, aren't obviously going to play and there's always a chance that somebody on the team gets better than they are in the offseason. So they're even farther down on the depth charts. It's like, if you were Trey Benson, and you know, Sean dollars is coming back. And then you see the year Byron Cardwell is having. And then they, you know, who's still on the team and then Jordan James comes in or Noah Whittington comes in, you know, those are three or four caliber players who are just better. So it might as well get the heck out of the dodge while you can and solidify yourself at another power five school and give yourself a better opportunity to play. It makes sense. It's not a, it's not the worst case scenario that 14 kids are gone.
1: Jared made a great point because I think Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports, he kind of covers the portal pretty extensively. And I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was really high that a lot of guys that go into the portal don't find homes. Mm. And if you're Trey Benson and you can find a a spot at a Power 5 school close to home within – weeks months of being in the portal go for it take it Mm -hmm. i mean hummer wrote a story about a guy that waited a year to find a school um he was expecting it to be a two or three week process and he had to wait a whole year uh so yeah like the guys that transferred out there's 14 of them um robbie ashford quarterback travis die running back trey benson receiver micah Pittman. uh trey benson running back excuse me micah Pittman, receiver Kingsley, Sumatia, Logan Sagapalu, Jonathan Dennis, Jalen Jeffers, all offensive linemen, um, Jason Jones and Jonah Miller, and Christian Williams, all defensive linemen. And then DBs, DJ James, Jalen Davies, and Damon David. Um, 14 guys out of the program. Which of the of the 14 maybe was the most surprising? Um for you guys i'll i'll go first and i i, I kind of think we might all have the same answer um dj james like i felt like he was gonna be the starter like the automatic starter at corner the lockdown guy um i understand he's from the south Crystal ball's gone he went to auburn um but this was a guy that the expectation was in 2022 you're the top corner like you're there. You're ready to – you started last season, um, and yet now he's he's in the portal. And it's a position where they had to go out and add a cornerback because of it.
2: Yeah, I think it's a split between he and Travis Dye. I mean, Dye is such an established piece here at Oregon, and I think if he was back, it's probably – I think if there's similar situations where, like, both guys were starters last year. If both guys were back, they'd be starters again and big big parts of their respective sides of the ball. Um, to Jared's point, I just tied this up. Seven of the 14 are from east of the Mississippi. So, like – spot on like half the guys were just going much closer to home um yeah i i, I think it's die and and dj james that surprised you the most in terms of the immediacy of playing time the other one that surprised you well two other ones that sort of are surprising not because of playing time but just based on timing were micah Pittman and kingsley sumatia because those were during the season and yeah. King, kingsley not even making it like three months into the first season of his career at oregon it was like Strange. A, strange and honestly pretty disappointing if you think about the caliber of recruit. This is like this is one of the top twenty five recruits Oregon had ever signed, best offensive lineman, all that. Um and then Pittman was a guy who he, he left right before Oregon lost its second game of the season. Like that when he left, they were in the hunt for a college ball playoff. Obviously that wasn't gonna happen based upon what happened later, but those were both just kind of weird ones that were surprising, I think. But in terms of the players that are most valuable, yeah, Dye and James, I think are easy picks for me.
0: I have a wild card. I was, like a lot of Oregon fans, I was very disappointed with Jason Jones left. Absolutely. I had high, high aspirations for the guy. Um, he certainly had flashes, which goes back to my um, idea that fans can have a crush on a player. I think Jason Jones was probably my crush for an Oregon football player. Um, it was just a body that the Pac-12 didn't have. He yeah. was an SEC type. It makes sense that Auburn is his destination, and I'm sure Auburn... Put on the full court press to try to acquire his talents in the transfer portal because he's an SEC guy. And like Eric said, and like his article on Duck Territory mentions, he'd been working a lot with the first team at Auburn. I, I think he'd be working a lot with the first team at Oregon if he were still here. I think yeah. Sam Taimani is probably someone that Oregon doesn't take if he's still here. Um, yeah, he's a six foot six guy, he's 320 pounds. Um, he's almost like a perfect defensive lineman for Dan Lanning to have. Uh, that was his style and the fit and the mold that he had at, at Georgia, and I think that could have happened at Oregon. Maybe not as you know great as Jordan Davis, or because you know, not a lot of people can be. But this the point remains where I thought that that would have been a great fit. It was just sad to see him go and go directly to you know an SEC school that he'll probably be starting at and you'll know, probably be seeing him on national television, being like, well. Oregon had that kid. That that would have been something special. So, that's my wild card. But I do agree that that die and the weird timing of Pittman and Kingsley that was strange. And then DJ James is probably the the uh, the most impactful for this defense for this year.
1: I didn't pick die just because it'd be a new offense, a new position coach again. He graduated. You know, he he spent so much time at Oregon and like. I felt like his reasoning out of all of them kind of made the most sense from, from a transfer perspective. Like, it sucks for Oregon, no doubt about it. But, like, from just a personal look at it for Die, I, I feel like his transfer made the most sense out of everybody. Just clean start. He gave four years. He graduated. You know, it, he wants to be close to family. He wants to be close to his girlfriend or now fiance's family type deal. Um, but – Still, nonetheless, it was a surprise. It did hurt, Um, but nonetheless. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss the positive side of the portal uh, for Oregon in 2022.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.
1: All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audible's podcast, breaking down this portal uh, news for Oregon football. Um, 14 out, but nine guys are into the program. Um, The obvious most, I think, focused one is Bo Nix from Auburn. Um, We've discussed that at length. I don't think we really need to rehash that um, unless Jared wants to – go in on why he wasn't a fan of it at the time have you changed at all on that perspective i guess we'll go there have you changed on your perspective there
0: throwing me a curveball mid segment um yeah of course uh bo's, bo's been pretty darn good since coming to oregon it's just you know you look at his tape at auburn and it's a um, you know a lot of highlights a lot of lowlights it didn't seem like someone who was consistent enough but you did see that a little bit in the spring game with his touchdown passes to seven mcgee and dante thorne but his interception and a double coverage um, that's just something you're probably going to get, but I think it's uh, a better, uh, better quarterback play or better quarterback opportunity than it is to play, uh, you know, Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield when they're not ready. Um, yeah, so I wasn't a fan of it at the time, but, you know, that was months and months and months ago, and it was fresh off an Auburn season where they um, you know, had more losses than wins, so it's easy to not be a fan of a quarterback from that team coming into your team. Sure. Can I I I go
1: ahead?
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, can I also add? I think part of the reason there's more enthusiasm for Bo is it's become more clear how far Ty and Jay are from being like really big time starting quarterbacks at this level. Like, if one of those guys were awesome in the spring, like, I think we'd all be kind of like, oh, Bo Nix's addition was needed, but one of these other guys should start. But neither of those guys really took the stranglehold for the job. And it feels very clear right now that that Bo's the the favorite.
1: Yeah, I was. I was just going to say, I think recency bias factors for me, but like you said, Eric, um, the spring game, it was very evident to at least me that Bo is a head and shoulders above the other two. We watched a lot of spring practice and it felt like that as well. So it it was a fortuitous ad. I I feel like Um, other players to join the program. Marquise, is it Bucky Irving? Bucky is his nickname. Bucky's Bucky his nickname, his but,
2: I, but you, you watch them call his games, and it's like that's what they call him more than anything else. Or Buck O. I I, I, it seems like there's got to be a Buck in there.
1: Interesting. Well, four-star running back, was a freshman this past season at Minnesota. Um, they've also added, No Whittington from Western Kentucky. He is a sophomore this upcoming season at running back. Receiver Chase Coda, uh, he is a three-star transfer and then along the defensive line they've added a couple guys casey rogers and jordan riley and sam tiamani um, all three of those guys being three-star transfer prospects uh and they've also added safety who plays corner four-star christian gonzalez and then um, andrew boyle uh, a specialist from washington state um Surprised they added two running backs. Like when signing day came and gone, we, I think we were all on here at one point being like, hey, they probably need one running back. They could probably get away with what they have if they really wanted to, but they really need to add two, maybe three receivers. They've added a receiver in Chase Cota. They signed a high school guy in Justice Lowe. Now we know that they've added another one in Kyle Casper. Um, but I don't think any of us were really expecting two running backs, especially two sophomores where they now go into the 2022 season with four sophomore running backs on scholarship. It makes
2: sense though. I mean, like, I, I think you're right in terms of it wasn't like on our radar at the time, but getting to five is better than four. Like that number I think is pretty solid. And like Irving was the one they took later where to me, that's just like, he's a really high end player. I I, I I I think I'm higher than Jared. We did at our discussion last week on, on Bucky a little bit. And I, I think genuinely he has a chance to be the number two. Like I think he'll battle Sean dollars for that spot. Um I still I still feel confident that Byron Cardwell's your number one, barring Irving being awesome. But um the numbering the numbers make sense, but yeah, it wasn't like totally on our radar, but I, I think you think about it from like you've got five guys now four sophomores one's a true freshman it's a really young group sean dollars by the way is like a fourth year sophomore so it's like yeah. kind of funky with him he's a lot more experienced than these other guys um yeah no so i think i think it wasn't necessarily on our radar but when it when it happened it it kind of made too much sense to me in terms of like you lost two running backs and now you've added two running backs from the portal
0: yeah it makes a lot of sense um i'm not overly surprised by it we talked about how really they could add one and be good with it. Um, they've added two and now are excellent with it in terms of depth and player personnel and potential talent down the road. Um, I think it's important that they brought in two sophomore running backs because, you know, dollars technically could leave if he has a great season. He's he's a draft eligible sophomore because he's been here for, for four years now. Um, Byron Cardwell, look, I mean, Oregon fans the last couple of years have experienced plenty of seasons with, with injuries to running backs. Running back is pro- probably one of the most injured positions on the field. That you can get players like Noah Whittington and Marquis serving in the transfer portal and have them as your maybe three, maybe four running back, with Jordan James as your fifth running back, that's pretty darn good. And I think that's the position that Oregon is in. And if somebody goes down with an injury, even if it's just for a week and they miss one game, you have a suitable replacement. Um, and I think they've done a good job matching kind of player personnel, like um, matching similar body types to their backups. Um, I think Byron Cardwell and, and Marquise Irving and Sean Dollars are all pretty similar. I think Noah Whittington is another guy who's probably a little stockier than the other, the other couple, but he's really similar to Jordan James in terms of size and strength. So I think they've done a good job matching up there. Um, it makes this running back room look a lot, a lot, a lot better than it did in uh, January or February. Uh, that was a real concern going into the season. Was really only having three college, um, you know, college experienced running backs going into the season with Jordan James as a true freshman. Now they have you know, four with with James now, so it's a really big improvement, frankly.
1: I I feel like the way the depth charts stacked up the staff at running back, the staff is expecting one or maybe even two of these guys to not finish their careers at Oregon or, or to not fulfill the three years of eligibility that they have left. So sophomore year in 2022, junior year in 2023, senior year in 2024, like it just feels like with four guys, all the same scholarship year they're they're anticipating that that number to shrink a little bit over the next three seasons
2: i think that's fair i mean attrition you might see a guy transfer after the i'm I'm not saying it's going to happen but you can see attrition through the portal easy you can see i mean frankly it wouldn't surprise me at all if cardwell went early Um, at some point it wouldn't surprise me at all i mean sean dollars i don't know what his draft profile will be if it'll make sense but I mean, this year we saw a guy like a Devin Williams and a Verone McKinley, those guys are very accomplished at Oregon, but those are fifth year players that just were kind of like, Do I need to be here for six or seven seasons? Like some guys choose to do it. George Moore did, you know, DJ Johnson's doing it this year. But for the most part, that COVID year kind of mucked up some of the numbers. So like I look at dollars as being kind of a junior, even though I know it only counts as a sophomore. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he if he looks at just taking off at some point if he has some success and, and proves he has some sort of NFL ceiling.
0: I don't know if the, the staff is necessarily planning for somebody to leave but i would say they're they're planning for attrition in general building up as much depth as you can because of the ability for a player to enter the portal at any given moment is a good idea if you could build up that depth and not be really really hindered by somebody leaving for the portal from your running back room or your quarterback room whatever the case may be you know that sets you up from a big you know, a big drop off in terms of production and, and resources and trying to find another running back or another player X from what position group. So I think the buildup of players, the buildup of talent is always a good thing. Um, it's the, you know, that, that overused mantra of iron sharpens iron. Um, I think it's also important that your iron is just as, as, as good as, as strong as the transfer portals iron in your own program. So it's fine that they have a million running backs. Um, they'll probably add. Another in the class of twenty twenty three. Um, I don't think it'll be that that one and done rule for running back rooms as it was during Mario Cristobal's time.
1: What's what's the guy that we feel like has the best potential to make an impact at Oregon in twenty twenty two? Like I, the obvious answer is bonix because of the position he plays. So let's let's eliminate Bo Nicks because that would be the automatic answer, but. Everybody else, the other eight guys. Is there one that just single handedly sticks out as an impact guy?
2: Yeah, I think I think there's several probably, but Christian Gonzalez is to me a home run answer. I think he's honestly gonna be really valuable on defense. You know, he's experienced at corner. They needed that. He's um got great size for the position at six two, two hundred pounds. Yeah, I, I think pretty clearly distanced himself as the top corner this spring and I think he goes into the fall as you mentioned DJ James leaving and he would have been the number one guy well the guy that brought in to replace him to a certain degree in Gonzalez I think kind of right now at least projects to be the number one going into the season so uh, I, I think Gonzalez is is the pick there I think there's a couple other guys that'll play quite a bit though I mean uh, I don't know if you want to run through them all but I mean I, Andrew Boyle might be the team's punter if, if yeah. Ooh, awesome. you now.
0: pick my you pick my sleeper
2: come on Eric well, sorry, we have the same sleepers. We've talked too much about this stuff, apparently. But no, I, but but Boyle is pretty sneaky because Oregon might not have Tom Snee as the punter. We don't know what's going to happen there. And they just saw um, Will Hutchinson enter the portal himself. We don't have him on this list because he was a walk on, but uh, Boyle could be somebody who comes in and, and factors in on special teams, I think, more than people are expecting if, if Snee's not around.
0: Yeah, as I just mentioned, Boyle was my sleeper because he could easily be the most impactful on this list because he's going to be the punter every day. Um, and punting, as we've seen in years past, is obviously it's really important. Um, you could be a punter and get drafted now. So that's a wild thought. Um, but for me, my real answer is probably Sam Taimani. I think Christian Gonzalez is a very good answer, but I think Sam Taimani could... Like, Eric has talked me into this where... He's probably the starting defen- one of the starting defensive linemans. Um, him and Brandon Dorlis, I think Popo and Keon Ware Hudson are second stringers. Taimani was just very, very good at um, during Oregon's spring camp. Um, he showed a lot during the spring game as well. I know it was against some first team offensive linemen and some second team offensive linemen, but I don't think that changes anything. Um, I think the Washington defense he played for last year was really, really soft up the middle, and I don't think that was his fault. Um, he was one of PFF's top three defensive linemen in the Pac-12, and Oregon had Brandon Dorless as another one, and Popo, um, uh, Popo as another one as well. So I think they're pretty stacked up there, but I do think that Sam Taimani is going to be that big of an impact guy on the defensive line. Um, he might command double teams, but then that means you know single coverage against Dorless and Braden Swinson and DJ Johnson. So I think he's just going to be – a bigger and better version of what Jordan Scott was like his
1: junior year in 2019. Jordan Scott was really good in 2019. That would be mm-hmm. that would be oh, a I very know. big big get for Oregon if that plays out. Um, I, I'm going to go sleeper with Chase Cota. I his spring game performance and then what everyone raved about leading up to the spring game kind of like maybe it was just a perfect alignment of all, you know, best case scenario things for Coda to play out, but he just looked really good. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, we kind of just had the, the receiving core penciled in as, you know, the starting group of of Thornton and Franklin and probably Hudson. And I think seven McGee has certainly made Hudson's job feel, you know, warm. And I think Coda, his addition certainly makes Franklin and, and Thornton have to work hard this off season, you know, exceptionally hard if they don't want to get passed up because he looked really good and he could be that veteran Wiley guy that my college career is coming to an end. I don't know if I'm going to get it onto an NFL roster. I, I need to have the best year possible. You know, we see that all the time in sports where, you, you go into that last year and just things kick into a different gear for you. And maybe that's the spring game. Maybe it's not for, for Coda, but I, I just think he's got an opportunity to really sneak up and end up being one of the guys of this team.
2: Yeah, that, that was probably the other one I had. And then I would just throw in one of those running backs will probably play a lot too.
1: Yeah. I, real quick before we get off here. Um, Knowing they've added running backs, knowing what Georgia did, I understand Dane Landing was on the defensive side of the football. But like, are we kind of expecting, like, let's say Jordan James redshirts, plays maybe four games in 2022. Between the four fra- four sophomores, I kind of feel like all four of them are going to play.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think Card will play the most. I think the other three will will rotate behind based upon performance, and and it might be a thing where. Three are only used each weekend, but the, you know, the three changes. But I, I think you're going to see those four. I'll be contributors with 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 Cardwell taking the, the bulk of the carries. I, I still feel confident on that.
0: Yeah, all four are going to play. It just depends on. I, I think it's going to be packages and certain downs mm-hmm. or whatnot. Um, but Bucky Irving is too good to play. Noah Whittington is too good to, or too good to not play. Excuse me. Um, so is Cardwell, and so is Sean Dollars, and maybe even Jordan James if we see how he looks in fall camp. Um, there's a good chance all five of them play, but I feel like they would like to redshirt Jordan James, but they may not be able to if there's injuries or whatever.
1: All right. It's going to do it for us here on the and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back with another episode coming up real quick. Until then, you've been listening to the and Audibles podcast.
2: Talk to you later, folks. Peace.